Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. Well, here we are again, your middle-aged warriors, wearing our stripes for show number 79. So how are you, Mr. Summers? You know, I'm hanging out. Uh, and one one day closer to spring, and I got to tell you, I mean, here we are, you know, about to jump into March, which is like a lion or a lamb, and the, the days are getting longer, and the sun feels nicer on your face, and all of a sudden, there's this sense of optimism in the air, right? Yeah, I mean, typically, uh, you know, March tends to make you at least psychologically think, well, we're coming into that dark hole of winter. Of course, that's being said for people who live in the northern tier of the country. Uh, but the the other thing I'm having a little problem with, and real quickly, I, I, I guess we could discuss a little bit, because this time of the year is like, oh, spring training, baseball, you know? Oh, yeah. And now we're dealing with another lockout, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm really getting tired of a bunch of millionaires who who play a game that as kids we would have dreamed to be part of as well as the owners who i'm sure are fairly fairly successful financially yeah. and they just can't come to grips with the fact that you know they're just an entertainment source they're not saving lives by playing baseball mind you i love the game it means a lot to me i have a romance with it it's the game of baseball I have a romance with, but I'm quickly losing my connection to the professional side of this. It's starting to get a little annoying that it seems every couple of years something's coming up like this. I don't know how you feel. You know, I, I think it was in 1990 uh, when Dwight Gooden turned down, I don't know, it was $4 million annually to pitch for the Mets. And I said to my brother, because my dad had just passed away at the end of 1989, I said, thank God dad already passed because this would have killed him, that he turned out $4 million to to pitch one season of Major League Baseball. I, I don't know. It's, it's just hard. It really is. And, th- and my question is, you know, when you go shopping and you see something for $4.99 <laughs> and then you go to another store and you see it's for... 496 and you feel all right it's three cents but you feel like it's cheaper and like you got hosed and ripped off is that part of what the mentality is between owners and players are they scared that they're getting ripped off well you know and and i think that is truly you know when you're starting to split hairs with the potential of millions of dollars you know how much is is enough how much does it change your life and I think here's my problem when it comes to sports, the, the, the varying sports. If you really think about it, what sport probably has the shortest life expectancy out of the major four? I say hockey. I think football does. Uh, yeah, maybe football. You're right. I, I think football does. And yet you don't, I mean, they've had their things, but, you know, they've got the cap. They've accepted the cap. I mean, there are guys on the front line who do not become millionaires who probably can't barely walk, yeah. you know, after 10 or 15 years of playing. And now baseball, you can have a very long career. I mean, we've got guys 35, 40 years old, still making millions of dollars. And yet that seems to not be enough. There are other issues and they, they need to have part of more. And I don't know, you know, you go going back the flip side to what you you were talking about, Dwight Gooden, do you remember Tom Seaver that M. Donald Grant didn't want to pay Tom Seaver like $250,000? Yeah. Is you know, that Tom, when he sent him to Cincinnati? Yeah. Tom Seaver, yeah. one of the greatest yeah. of all time. You know, so it's it's just a weird thing. And I'm tired of money getting in the way of, of sport. This is sport and entertainment. It It's just, it shouldn't be this complicated. And now a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. 
Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. And I understand the union was formed. I know Kurt Flood did that many years ago. And there were right. many players who did get, they were taken advantage of. A lot of these guys didn't have, my mom tells me stories of the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, right. and, and guys that would have to have part-time jobs in the winter. Well, I don't remember which one it was, was working in a shoe store. Another right. guy was back and work on the yeah, floor. Yeah, in the yeah. winter, right? So I, I can, I can sense a Wayne Lonstein show coming up. Well, but he knows all, all of that. And that's the point, you know? Yeah. And you, you look at this and you're like, all right, guys, when is enough enough? And all you're doing is pissing off the fans. And I have, I have to be honest, I didn't go to a game last year. Yeah. And with this kind of thing happening right now, I'm not sure if I want to go to a game this year. Yeah, I'm, me either. I just, I, I, I'm not happy with the owners or the players. I, and I, I love the game. I have a romance with the game, and that's what I'm in love with. I'm not in love with the business anymore. I don't, I, yeah. I just don't like what's happening. It's sad. So I will tell you something that made me very happy. I was cleaning out some boxes, and I found this, which you can't really see, but I will try and describe to you. As you can see, it's got a New York Mets logo on it. Oh, let me check. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a paycheck that I earned back in 2000 for being a public address announcer at, at oh, Shea Stadium. Dude, how cool is that? I found this, and I want to get it framed Are and you? hang it on my wall just to remember that I was Where pre-lockout. Oh, my God. But that's a, that's so that's awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny and the, the irony of all of this. So here I am doing a podcast with uh, a former PA announcer for the Mets, uh, Chase Day, right. right? And now I'm going to be starting a, uh, a lifestyle show with another public address announcer for the Mets, Marisol Castro, the, the first female public address. Yes. And for those of you who are listening to our podcast in New York, Chris is re- uh, referring to a, a new uh, lifestyle show on Channel 11 WPIX that'll appear weekday mornings at 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. Yeah, hopefully soon. I'm, 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 I'm guesstimating April, but it's just funny that here, what are the odds of knowing and two working PA with announcers? Two, two public yeah. address announcers for the Mets? Yeah, really. Which is kind of a cool really. thing. I think it's kind of neat. I, I, I'm very happy. Anyway, uh, we have an uh, interesting guest coming up today, speaking of uh, cool things. Yeah, we really do. I mean, again, going back into the past and somebody uh, in terms of from my childhood and your childhood as well, growing up in New York on television, Eyewitness News was one of the first uh, re, I guess, reformatting of how local news was was projected and presented. And uh, John Johnson is the guest. And he was involved in some very heavy duty stories very early on in his career. Right. But is also an amazingly talented artist. Uh, just a very multifaceted, interesting, interesting guy. And at 82, you feel like he's still got a lot more to go. He's got a lot more to give us. And, and Soft-spoken uh, and amazing stories to tell, not only from a broadcast standpoint, but just uh, the life that he's gone through to get to where he is at age 82. Yeah, and I think uh, also fitting as we put the wraps on uh, this being Black History Month, his perspective of it, because a lot of what happened in his life and his career uh, certainly is all tied into that. So, Absolutely. Uh, well, our guest today has had a storied and really a prolific career as a TV journalist, a producer, reporter, an anchor, a winner of nine Emmys and countless other awards. And now in retirement, he's sharing his other amazing talent, which is as an artist. And he's producing some really stunning and moving paintings and what I might say is an almost inconceivable rate at this point in his life. And I guess, uh, well, he's a bit of a show up, isn't he? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we want to welcome the Middle Age Warriors, John Johnson. John, thanks so much for joining hey, us. Hey, John, thanks. It's great thank, to have you. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And I, I like the warrior part. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not retired. Yes. Because my careers were as a painter and as a journalist, and I'm still painting. Well, that's we the good can- side of it, yeah. Uh, and- 
I don't want to be I want to be truthful to everybody at home, by the way, yes. who's listening in on this. Uh, we did a show and completed the show. It was a wonderful interview, one of the best we've ever done on the shows. And somebody, I'm not going to mention names, didn't record the show properly. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll give you a hint. It's it, it starts with Sam and ends in Eno. I just that's his last name. That's all I'm going to say. But you know, I was willing to take the rap for this, honestly. No, no, but uh, <laughs> but John, we appreciate you giving your time again to us. So I want to get into it really. Uh, how does a how does a guy from a, a young boy from Bedford Stuy in Harlem growing up become a reporter, a producer, a director, and obviously you can get it. We'll get into the art and where that was spawned as well. But right. what you know, what was what were the seeds for you yeah. to lead you in that direction? Well, I wanted to get out of poverty. Mm-hmm. I wanted my mother, especially, to have a better life. Uh, my mother pushed me to do as much as I could to have a better life. My mother was highly intelligent. She and I used to read together. She let me paint on the walls of our little apartment wow. in, in Bed-Stuy. Wow. And she was always at my side pushing forward and I wanted to fulfill her dreams for me, dreams that she she couldn't fulfill for herself Mm. as a um, person of very fair skin, but color. Mm -hmm. And um, I was determined to make good. And that meant that I studied hard. I received good grades. I was fortunate enough to I went to art and design high school. I had to pass a test to get into that. And then I was able to get into CCNY and get um, free undergraduate and graduate degrees. And that, I mean, I, I was able to get into several of the colleges, but I wouldn't have been able to pay even to get to them. Right. But, <laughs> you know, to pay the family. Sure. Yeah. But I got into school, got into college, and I um, started on the road to, uh, I was a teacher. I wound up, started being a professor at Lincoln University. And then it was that when I was also involved in the civil rights movement that I wrote something in a book of writings by Black figures. and. It went from the historical beginnings to the new voices. And I was part of the section of the new voices. And I wrote something called Super Black Man. The book and that essay came to a, a widespread attention. The book and others were taught and seen in colleges across the country. And um, I was asked to appear on a broadcast at ABC talking about civil rights, along with uh, Harry Belafonte. And Harry Belafonte didn't want me on. He wanted his friend on with him. Mm -hmm. But ABC got in touch with me and said, really, we're not interested in you necessarily being on air. We would like you to come and work for us. Oh, my goodness. Associate producer, writer. And I said, what? No. (laughs) And then... Uh, I don't know anything about television. But then the people in the movement that I told uh, said, you must take this opportunity to go into television and have a voice there. But I was going forward to finish my PhD. And I was going on to Indiana Indiana University, where I also had a position. I was finish, going to finish my PhD. But then when I looked at the fact of the income I would make at ABC (laughs) as an associate producer and what I was getting as a professor, I took a chance and joined ABC. I want to take a minute and talk about one of our newer sponsors. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, 
and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Let me ask you this. Did anybody ever look at you and say, John, we love you and we think you'd be great? But you're overqualified. No, I didn't get that. No, no. <laughs> I never ran into that, that huh? <laughs> over, overqualified. I, I, I did get, hmm, uh, you're yeah. going to be writing and mm. as a black guy in right. the right. documentary section, and he's writing stuff and mm. he's an associate producer on all these big time ABC documentaries. Wow. Yeah, you had, you had spoken to me about that to a degree that that was sort of almost a muted thing. It had to be sort of kept a secret that, you know, you were you were a black guy doing these things, a black American doing these things. I call sure. myself, yes. Yeah. Uh, so Maybe dark secret. <laughs> so, you know, this is Black History Month, and I think it's kind of apropos for you personally. How do you feel, what kind of progress are we really making in this country in, in moving things forward, inequality? What have you seen get better since you started and what still needs to be done? Well, things have gotten better. Mm-hmm. Not great, but better, mm. certainly. We've had a black president. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my God, <laughs> President Obama. We now have a, 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 a woman, a black woman, as the vice president of the United States, who would have ever thought? I, 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 I'm shocked at the progress that we've made. And still in all, racism is powerful in this country. You have all of this right-wing uh, fascists. You have the Klan still operating. You have new right-wing QAnon and all of that. Mm. And also the medium, the medium needs to make some uh, changes as well. I'm very concerned. I always believe that the news was like science. You tell the facts, Mm -hmm. the truth. You don't add to or make up stories. You don't make up science. You don't make up journalism. And Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that we've entered an era here where we have a right-wing network that it has the appropriate alphabetical letter F news. And um, along with people like Tucker Carlson and a former President Trump, I mean, appreciating Russia and Mm. liking Russia. And um, uh, I mean, it's shocking that this broadcast network which doesn't focus on news and truth but focuses on propaganda mm-hmm. is hurting the country and dividing the country you cringe when you watch local or network television news at this point and do you listen to the radio at all and does that uh, affect you in a different way as far as the right wing left wing thing I listen to, you know, I'm a media uh, news junkie. So is my wife, who is an executive uh, producer at CBS News. So we're news junkies. We try and keep up with everything. And um, it's disturbing on the radio as well. You tune into things and I want to hear the facts of what is going on. I don't want to hear Joe Rogan's opinions. I don't care what Joe Rogan thinks. Or what Tucker Carlson thinks. I don't even know their intellectual qualifications to be on air to give opinions or their educational levels. All I know is that they're being paid lots of money, (laughs) lots and lots of money to promulgate big lies and their opinion. And it's not for the sake of the country. It's for the sake of their pocketbooks. Of course. It's, you know, but, but to that, 
don't you think it should be sort of cat? You know, opinions are like a particular sphincter body part, as they like <laughs> to say. Uh, everyone has one. Everyone has but, one. Uh, but sure. to that, you know, look, propaganda has gone, you know, in, in the history of this country and all countries, propaganda has always existed. There have been waves of it that are stronger than right. others. But right. the problem here is because it is still falling under the guise of being a newscast, which mm-hmm. traditionally before was supposed to be based in fact and truth. Here's right. the information. Now you absorb it. And, and each individual can come up with their own opinion about what's going on. Right. So these really aren't newscasts. They're sort of like they're shows. They're just kind of, I don't know, they're opinion yeah. shows. Right. And, and that's that's the problem. So let me let me go back a little bit because okay. for me, my first exposure to seeing you, by the way, it was interesting. I found out we're both alumni of City College, which is awesome. CCNY. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go Lavender. Uh, but my Yo, first exposure to seeing you was as a reporter on WABC, Eyewitness News in New York City. And Eyewitness News was something that was different. It stepped out of the traditional box of how local newscasts were being done. Personality was kind of put into it. I wouldn't say so much opinion, but what was so special for you in general, personally, and also on whole in viewing that experience uh, being part of Eyewitness News when it first was launched? Well, Eyewitness News was a path to freedom for me Hmm. because while at the network as a uh, correspondent, and I was reporting on Attica, I ran into trouble because uh, while I was covering Attica and the Attica riots, the reports began to come out that the black inmates had killed all the white hostages. And I refused to report that because I hadn't seen that and it was not confirmed. And uh, I had been in and out and I would not report that while other news media indeed did report that. Ultimately, I was removed from the Attica coverage. But years later, I was proved correct that the inmates hadn't killed um, the hostages. And that was extremely important because that truth, Mm. that lie that was originally told, that was spread by the news media hurt the country, made more racism virulent. So I left the network and went to WABC where I found a lot of freedom. In the sense of, I went out as a journalist, did my stories, reported the truth, and I was very welcomed. And I was very welcomed by a core of journalists who had been also in journalism, but they had also been in uh, the written press. Roger Grimsby, uh, Bill Butel, so many were knowledgeable, seasoned journalists, but also who had a sense of fun and a sense of camaraderie. And it wasn't wrong to necessarily show that on the air. Mm -hmm. And ultimately... It made a greater link with the public that we were reporting to because I think the public began to see that we were who we were reporting to. We were white, black, brown, Latino, Latinx, Asian, Mm -hmm. and um, Asian Americans. And so it was a community of journalists representing the community that they were reporting to. A great place to work. John, I want to ask you, in your early years growing up in Brooklyn and maybe turning on a TV or seeing one in a in a store, did you have a news idol? Was there somebody that you looked up to and thought, if I ever do news, this is this is kind of the guy I want to be or kind of the woman I want to be. Not that you're a woman, but... <laughs> I'm just trying to be politically correct. I understand. I guess I would say later, I really admired Edward Mm Almaro. Yeah. And uh, he was inspirational. But I never saw myself as particularly an on-camera person. But even at a very young age, I was very interested in the news. But I would say 
Edward R. Murrow was was somebody that I loved and admired. That's a good choice. Yeah, that's uh, I, that, he's got a he's got an award named after him, so you know yeah, he's somebody. He I think so. Oh, he's, he's got I some weight. So. Uh, going back quickly to that to the uprising, the Attica Prison Uprising, which yeah. uh, is currently a documentary on Showtime that you are in. Correct? They use yeah. they use the actual footage. Do they right. did they talk to you in retrospectively as well in that documentary? In, in the documentary, yes, they talk about and interviewing me about the inmates asking me like the, the inmates wanted me to come in and it talks about one of the I, I because the inmates saw me a black guy on television hmm. and in the in their jail cells but not only that when i went inside attica during the coverage of the uh, insurrection i walked through that terrifying yard Mm. of inmates and i said hey that's willie and hey willie people that i had known from my neighborhood who were inmates at attica oh my goodness so that was that was kind of shocking but but then again i said well why i mean this is an institution filled with black inmates why wouldn't i know a few given where they came from and where i came from um the history of the time was the early 70s. Was that Attica 1972? Yeah, it was 71, 71, 72. Yeah. So, I mean, the nation was in a, in a kind of a, a tough place to begin with. Uh, right. Racially, just coming out of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure we were coming out of there by then. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't imagine what it must have been like to have been such a, a racially charged and frightening atmosphere. Well, it, 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 it was frightening, and I told of the incident where um, I was, once the attack to take back the uh, prison began, I was caught at the wall when the bullets were flying and the helicopters were overhead, and there was gas and all of that, and finally the shooting and shooting, and then when the police and the attacking uh, troopers started coming out coughing and all of that, and they were screaming, niggers, niggers, niggers. And in fact, a group came out and one guy pointed a gun at me and I had to scream, don't shoot, don't shoot. Um, uh, and, and, And trying to clear my eyes and all of that. So, that it was frightening and then i had to do my job and finish my report Mm -hmm. you know but i did not on that program on the attica talk about the fact that i was relieved from doing the story because i thought the focus should stay on uh the attica inmates and the dying and all Mm -hmm. of that i didn't say that in the documentary, but I have said it other places and here. Right. And Eric Wimple of the Times, I mean, of the Washington Post, did a story on the fact that um, I, I stood my ground with that and lost my, kind of lost my position also. Well, and that's, you know, having been I in the told industry. The truth. Right. I, well, I yeah. told the truth. Exactly. I did my job as a journalist. So what I'm curious about either the connection or disconnection because apparently it seemed like the network was not happy with what you did but yet the local aspect the flagship station of that network was willing to hire you and it seems to me you know my thought process and my experiences that wouldn't happen today you get bumped off that network and you're probably not going to work for any affiliate of that network either how did that happen and were they that separate in their right. in their mindset right. Well, I wasn't fired. Right, okay. I wasn't fired from the network. It just was kind of made clear <laughs> that maybe this wouldn't be the best place. I was taken off the story. And Al Primo, mm-hmm. who was the creator, basically, of the Eyewitness News concept, mm-hmm. got in touch with me and said, wow, you know, why don't you come over and we talk? And 
he was the, I felt that I would be more at home and to do my job there. And it was an easy tra transition from one to the other. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the behind the scenes talk was, mm -hmm. but I was easily went over to WABC. And I know it, Chris and I have uh, some questions about your artwork that we'll get back to in a second. Yeah. Uh, but I also wanted to ask you from the TV news biz, yeah. what yeah. is the one interview you remember doing through your years of broadcasting, either at WABC or producing at the network level? Yeah. What's the one that really has stayed with you? We're going to get right back to the interview and the answer to that question. But first, I want to take a break for one of our newer sponsors. You know, tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients support gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. Athletic Greens. Take ownership of your health. Well, Nelson Mandela. Hmm. Nelson Mandela. I spent some time with Nelson Mandela once he was out of prison in South Africa. And on the night that he was elected president of South Africa. I was there. So I interviewed Mandela a couple of times. And that certainly was a milestone. I mean, in a wonderful uh, high moment for me in journalism. I, I so admired him. I think the world admires him. And to have had that ability to talk with him and uh, get to know him and all of that and spend some time with that was a great moment yeah. a great time i'll never i'm sure uh before we put the wraps on the, the broadcasting side of your career and get to the art so as things were winding down we actually ended up working together in 1996 at wnbc for a little bit i think i was on a couple of noon shows with you anchoring which right. for me was always you know i'm sitting here next to this iconic figure uh which was you know always kind of blew me away in retrospect when i look oh, back at it <laughs> <laughs> but no, but but uh, on the other side of this, uh, you weren't there very long. You then left to take care of your ailing dad. He was dealing with cancer, yes. and you, right. and then you never returned to television. From that point, uh, was right. that your choice? You, would you just have enough? Had enough of it? Or was it just time to get out? What, what made you make that final decision? Well, it was very interesting because my father, my mother, had died uh, the year before, mm. and. I was still working, uh, so uh, and my father was dying, mm -hmm. and I said I can't allow this to happen. I must be at my father's side, mm -hmm. even though I had my differences with my father. I had to be at his side, so I resigned my anchor job and spent the last days and weeks of his life by him. And then it was over. And then there I was. It was 30 years since I had uh, been in the business. And I just had no desire to go back. I was, I'd been offered other things to come back. Sure. Uh, I was offered a couple of jobs to come back sure. um, right away. But I decided, take a break. And if you want to go back, Give yourself a break to think mm -hmm. this over. Sure. And uh, you could say, I'm still thinking it over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, I do want to ask you, because this is a podcast, so people yeah. are listening and right. not necessarily right. seeing what Chris and I have the liberty of seeing, and that is some of your great artwork behind you. Yeah, Where can people see your artwork? Oh, that's so nice of you to ask. Well, I am on 
findartamerica.com. That's F-I-N-E-A-R-T, America.com. And it's John Johnson TV News. Right. People um, can look that up. They can see a whole lot of my art, my paintings, and it's on T-shirts, cups. And you can get them in any form, paintings, small paintings. You can get them as little knickknacks or anything. But you can see a whole array of my art. And um, I would appreciate that. Yeah, you could get a print and buy and and they're very affordable. It was, I mean, some of these are made into puzzles. Uh, iPhone cases, which I thought was really interesting. Yoga mats. I mean, it's literally (laughs) all over. But but to get into the painting aspect of this, I mean, you really run the gamut. There's 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 scenery that's being landscape painted, famous, you know, popular locations of the Eiffel Tower, the George Washington Bridge. There's different iconic people. There's less iconic, just neutral people. Right. Uh, I mean, you go from Brando to Jesus, not necessarily in that order. I've seen. Right. 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 So where, where, where is the, where does it come from? Where does the inspiration come from and what makes you want to suddenly put this on canvas? How does that happen? Well, you know, it's, here's the thing. Life is extremely complex and um, I'm trying to just say what's in my heart, mind, and what I see from I'm a mixed race person. I'm half German and half African. And I don't see the world in black and white. I -hmm. see the world as one race. We're looking out at the same sun. Mm -hmm. We're looking out at the trees, the flowers, other people, other experiences. And I, one of the things that probably doesn't satisfy everyone in the art world is that I refuse to paint in one way or one subject because that's not who I am. And my art is my freedom. Mm. So I'm going to do what I damn well please. (laughs) And what I damn well please is someday I'll wake up and say, Jesus, I feel like painting a flower. And other days I feel like painting something like artificial rainbow, which Mm. is... uh, you see people from the clan and black people suffering and like that. And another day I, I, I paint some peace doves and mm-hmm. another day I may paint, you know, this beautiful Malibu uh, beach thing, you know, or I may paint some beautiful women lounging back, mm-hmm. or I may feel like just, doing something that's just abstract about the world in which I feel. That's how I paint. Mm-hmm. I paint my own way. It's my painting. It's my way of expression. And if you, hopefully some people will buy them. But if not, I'm going to continue to paint because mm-hmm. my way and my way of being happy. I'm going to ask you to give the website that uh, people can track down your artwork one more time. And I was going to also ask, are there days you ever just wake up and say, I think I'll just have a cup of coffee and a donut. Okay. (laughs) Lots of donuts. (laughs) I love coffee. I love coffee. I love donuts. Sure, I don't paint every day. Not like that. I mean, you have to, I mean, it, it takes... Sometimes my hand, my fingers, but it is, it is once again, you search under fineartamerica.com, John Johnson TV News. You press on that and lo and behold, the artwork (laughs) comes up and you can say, gee, this guy's an idiot. It really is. It's 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 beautiful, and what I do love about it is, as you go through, I think there's about four or five pages worth of paintings when I went through it, right. and right. you know, it it could it could have been done by six or seven or eight or ten different artists because you you do yes. mix up the style. Now, is it all that's all acrylic that you're doing usually, or is is it well, oil? It, it is some acrylic, some digital, some oils. In oh, the original, I have I work in a variety of media and. Um, that's also important to me too, because different digital gives me a different quality. Mm, acrylics and uh, gives me acrylics and pastels and um, 
like that and watercolors. I do watercolors as well, as well as I do uh, ink drawings. All of those things require a different kind of dexterity and talent to the page. Sure. And um, I do all of them. I was trained and went to school. Uh, I also have some of my sculpture is in Europe. Oh. I used to be a sculptor as well. Wow. So um, I'm a very busy, yeah. intellectually. <laughs> a show off, fun. like I said earlier. See, you're just showing off. <laughs> you know, interestingly, when I was a kid and I wrote on the walls in my bedroom with crayons, <laughs> I got punished. I was going to say. Glad, <laughs> I'm glad you got encouraged yeah. because you obviously My mother doesn't want me to go outside. And, no, that's great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're uh, yes. we're down we're down to the last five minutes, and we we like to sometimes uh, play around with our guests and do a quick lightning round, and okay. basically it's just a quick answer off the top sure. of your head in terms of of the question. I'll right. get it going here. Uh, do you prefer to eat at home or a restaurant? Oh my goodness, restaurant! Oh, <laughs> I think my wife and I both we love going to restaurants. Okay, fair enough. We really do. That's honest. Restaurant. As do we, and that's one of the great things about New York reopening is uh, the fact that really, it's, uh, really, really, really. Uh, if you were to order a glass of wine, red, white, or rosé, I would order a glass of rosé champagne. Oh, right. wow! Yeah, I'm right pinky there out you. and everything. He's, he's styling this guy. I like <laughs> it. Uh, what, what? Who is the artist or artist that inspired you the most? I love Picasso. I love Matisse. Mm -hmm. And I, I love, there are so many. Goya. And I like Marimbaya too. Yeah. I, I, those would be... All pretty decent like, guys. I, yeah, they, were, they, they did a pretty good job. Yeah, they did a pretty yes. good job. They weren't house painters. Yeah, yeah. When no. you were young and you were an impressionable journalist, did you ever have a celebrity crush on anybody? Oh. Let's Tell your see. wife to not listen here. She's not allowed to. <laughs> okay. I really like Diane Sawyer a lot. Oh. Uh, and and uh, we, we were friendly. You know, Diane Sawyer was lovely. I really liked her. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, well, thank you. That. That's good to hear. Yeah. But, 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 but I yeah. also like, as uh, an actress, heart palpitating. Here it comes. Julie Christie. I love Julie Christie. Oh, my really? God. Wow. Yeah. See? Julie Christie. The more you sat on that question and started to think about it, all of a sudden... The heart started to palpitate <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, things were turning. As we're short on time, I really cannot thank you enough for doing this, especially a second yeah. time around. Absolutely. Uh, your time and your uh, your voice and your thoughts. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate it, John. You stay well. You take care of yourself, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you, and guys. We'll, we'll check out online. <laughs> take care, John. Be well. Take care. Be well. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care, Chris. Well, I have a feeling there were even more stories in the arsenal there with, with John. We, we, maybe we can get to that at another time. But What, uh, what an interesting guy and so soft-spoken. And I've seen him on TV for years. And uh, and just the Attica thing is just mind-boggling because it, you and I both remember being really young kids yeah. uh, in the early 70s when that all took place. I mean, imagine having a, you know, having a gun held to your head. It's like, no, no. I'm on your side, don't shoot kind of a thing. And yeah. also at the same time, you know, to not conform uh, and, and say, hey, wait, I didn't see what people are reporting. So right. I am not going to report it just yet as being a fact. And that's something that mm, I don't want to say maybe in some cases more often than not is getting lost in today's they evaporated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in today's world. So no, he's a real he's a real journalist. He really is. And uh and a great example for any young wannabe uh, writer, uh, news or otherwise, because he really tells the truth and tells it seemingly like it is, or not like it should be, or like he wishes it was. Like, but. Exactly. That's, that's that's the main difference. It's it's not trying to conform or or delivering information that you think your people want to hear, even though it may not be the fact. But here's a guy, 82 years old. Um, I just saw somebody this weekend. Yeah, I wanted to bring this up because uh, they, I, I mean, seventy-two years old. He's only seventy-two. 
know what? I'd have to look that up. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. You know, time's fleeting, but we're talking about Sir Elton John, uh, who I had the, the great fortune to see on this long farewell tour, which yes. was interrupted by COVID. Uh, it was supposed to be maybe a year or two, and now it's about four years long. But I was able to see him uh, this past Friday night. And, now you uh, you saw him at uh, the the Rock, the, the Prudential Center in Newark, in Newark, New Jersey, which actually I think was the last time that the front end of this farewell tour. I took a friend of mine for his uh, as as a birthday gift for his sixtieth. We went. He had never big Elton Johnson had never seen him. I've seen Elton. I think this is probably about my 11th or 12th time the very first concert i ever saw in my life in 1976 which is just a mere i think i did math 24 yeah. 40, uh 46 years ago whatever it was um it was called the louder than the louder than the concord tour uh, at madison square garden yeah that would have been it yeah in august of 1976 and uh god this guy is just he you know has an amazing career and is still relevant in some regards. I got to interview him at NBC. My son got to work with him as an audio engineer. So it's just just an amazing circle. And he has really reached a point in his life where I think he's so appreciative that he's he's still alive, that he's still doing what he loves to do. And now he's got a greater passion in some ways, I think, than he had maybe 20 years ago when he was younger. I hear he... Uh... He really dissed the Russian invasion. Yeah, he. I think I think he referred to him, if I may, uh, as a little shit, and then followed <laughs> with, and then followed with, "I hate him." Uh, you know, and that was as about as political as I've ever heard Elton get. Um, before he actually sang, dedicated to the, the people of, U, of of the Ukraine, probably my all time favorite ballad of his, which is "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." And, uh, you know, he, he really just is, is such a just an amazing performer. He gets it. He knows what the audience wants. He's adjusted to his voice at his age. He doesn't try to do something he can't do anymore. And uh, he's just such a great musician and, and a great lover of music. To this day, he still connects to a lot of young artists and they respect him. And that was the last album he's done. He basically did a lot of songs together with with young new artists, and I guess. And the interesting thing is, he gets the respect from them, so that says something. I'm going to put you on the spot. Favorite Elton John song? Well, as I said, in terms of a ballad, it is "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." Um, I think later in life, and it's funny because I did not particularly like this song when it first came out. I thought it was a little poppy, but. At 60 years old and now being where I am in my life, I'm still standing is a much more relevant song. Yeah. And when that song comes on now, you know, I feel it. It, it hits me because, you know, at that point, you know, it didn't mean much to me when it came out. I was too young to understand what I'm still standing even meant. I don't even know if he understood it. Um, but, you know, now you're like, wow, it's hard to be relevant at 60. And it's hard to still be standing at 60 sometimes. You know, Listen, you speak the truth, my friend. I, I still love Funeral for a Friend. Oh, God, uh, yes. Which is just, oh, my God. Is that Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? That was, to me, if you told me I had to be, you know, stranded on, a, on an island somewhere and I had a choice of a certain amount of albums I could have, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road would be number one. And that's the first song. It's Funeral for a Friend slash Love Lies Bleeding. And he did right. play that the other night. And oh, he did? It's still amazing. It, it's still, yeah. it's a, an amazing piece. It's 11 and a half minutes long. It's an amazing yeah. piece of music. Um, but yeah, that, well, that, you know, it's funny you say that. That's, that probably moves me more than, than most songs ever. But uh, you know, he, look, look at his catalog. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He could go on forever with something like that. I think you have inspired me to go dig out the uh, the CD or or listen to it on iTunes or something like that because I haven't listened to it in a while. Well, yeah, I mean, and and I it's funny. Just today, I was in the car for no, it was the following day. I was in the car for a while driving back into New Jersey to, to go visit. But it's an over an hour drive, and that's what I put on. Goodbye, Elizabeth Road from start to finish, and and you know that's one of those albums that takes you on a journey, and it's just. Yeah, and so many swings and, and different styles of music. It's just an amazing album. If anybody, the young, the kids who might be listening to this, 
I doubt kids. <laughs> but but the older kids go back and listen to that to that double album. It it is amazing. It's a beautiful album. It's really just an amazing album. That's my feeling. Do you still do you still have your albums? I still have I do have that album. Uh, I think I do I have too, some vinyl. somewhere. I have some yeah. vinyl in storage. Uh, some of my vinyl was in storage and was damaged by oh. uh, water. I actually had a, I became later in life a Clash fan. And I had this triple album by The Clash called Sandinista. And I had seen The Clash at uh, Bonds in New York, a club in New York in the early 80s. And I had pictures from a camera that you had to actually process <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> and I had shoved them into that triple album. And unfortunately, a lot of them became water damaged. So it kind of breaks my heart that, you know, it's, it's funny. We think all of our life, I don't know about you, but when I think of a picture, I'm like, oh, let me get that picture. It's like, that's not on a phone, you idiot. That picture is that's a picture paper somewhere. You've got to find it. It doesn't exist on your phone, but we're so yeah. conditioned to it being digital on our phone. And it's uh, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing sometimes. Uh, so true. How so true. Anyway, we should probably think about getting out of here. Yep. So I can go I, listen to Elton John. Go listen to Goodbye Ellerbrook Road. Uh, just it's an awesome album. Anyway, uh, with that, Sunshine Always. It was a great show today. And uh, you know, I hope you guys have a chance to take a listen to it. And we'll see you next time. Stay safe. Stay safe. Yeah. Middle-aged warriors on the Believe Podcast Network. He's Chris. I'm Rick. You're you. And we're really glad you are. And uh, we'll see you again real soon. Uh, he said Sunshine Always. I say be good, feel good, which I actually stole from Lionel Richie many, many years ago. If you listen to the end of All Night Long, he yells in the background, be good, feel good. All right. That's how I used to close my show. Dancing on the ceiling. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) With that, as always, this show is brought to you by Bet Online. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.